Greetings, everyone. Uh, we're back again today with session four from Romans chapter eight. Today we'll be looking at verses um, 19 through 25. And how about a, a brief review to start with, very brief. To start with, in this chapter, Paul told us, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he talked about how we were born under the law of sin and death. In other words, a man sins and he dies. The wages of sin is death. We all begin being condemned. We are under condemnation. Then he talked about another law, the law of the spirit of life. Remember, Jesus came. He did not sin like we do. And he did die, though. He didn't need to. But he rose again from the grave. And those who find their hope in Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, from even after Adam and Eve sinned, all the way through the Old Testament, if we hope in him, then we are under the second law, the spirit of life. Remember, um, Paul said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in that passage, he explains what he said in Romans 8, even. We also talked about how sin's chains can no longer hold us down. Yes, we are in the flesh, <laughs> And we do sin, yes, but we now have the Holy Spirit residing in, in us, and we are now a child of God. There's no reason to fear anything that man does or anything the world throws at us in this fleshly body, even death, because uh, Jesus rose from the graves, and he will raise us up from the grave as well. And Paul also talked about adoption and um, inheritance. We're in a new family, and so we have a new family mindset. And even the Holy Spirit bears witness that we're in the family of God by His working in us. And um, even suffering, Paul talked about, shows us, I think, that we are in the family of God because we stand for the same values as Christ. And so we will suffer in the world because they have different values. But if we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. Remember, we ended last session with verse 18. Here's what it said. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So instead of focusing on the woe is me things of the world, we can place our mindset and our hope on the things that God has for us. Paul calls it the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then here's what he goes on to say. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. <laughs> Let's pause just for a minute here and do our best to wrap our minds around what Paul just told us. Um, someone brought creation to futility. Um, who was that? I believe it was God. And I think we'll, we'll see that as we go on. And I think it's implied as though it's not even a question, really. But what is futility? Futility means that life, creation, it has no meaning or purpose um, in some context. Have you ever heard the expression, all his efforts are futile? That means he can't do whatever it is by himself. He's not good enough. He can't make any headway on 
whatever it is he's working on. All his efforts are futile. <laughs> so it seems to me that God broke the universe. So we would see that without him, it stands futile. Um, there's no purpose for uh, the world uh, in regards to us uh, without Jesus. For everything to make sense and have value and to have a reason to be for us, there has to be a God. And we all need this purpose and this fellowship that our Creator intended for us. He broke the universe so that we might look to Him as our, our healer and the one that we can trust to make all things new. We can find hope in our Creator. And Solomon talked about the futility of all things without the Lord. Uh, he talked about it quite a bit. I'll read a couple verses here. Ecclesiastes 1.1. This is the way he starts. And I think he ends with uh, still talking about it, the book of Ecclesiastes. But here's what he says. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanities of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanities. And other translations say Futility of futilities. The one I read was uh, the ESV. But, but Solomon speaks much about this futility. And, uh, and he ends Ecclesiastes pointing to the one thing that lets it all make sense. And it's the Lord. And I think that's the main focus of our passage today. Without Jesus, everything is meaningless. God broke the universe to show us that we need him. Uh, in our lives for meaning. So let's just think a little bit more about futility of the world. Um, so when did God break the universe, I wonder? I think to think about this rightly, we have to go back to creation, uh, maybe to the Garden of Eden uh, before creation was broken. Remember God all the way throughout creation, even after he was finished, he looked back on it and he said it was good wasn't broken at that time, at least not in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were. If it was broken outside the Garden, where Adam and Eve would be cast later on, I believe it was broken ahead of time for their benefit, that they might look to the healer. Uh, and because God is sovereign and God knew all that would happen and that they would need a savior. Remember how Ephesians 1.4 says that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So either way though, I think whether it was broken ahead of time outside of the Garden of Eden and everything was still unbroken inside or if it was broken after Adam and Eve sinned, either way, it was done so, so that um, in the hope, Paul says, that the creation itself would be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So it's in the hope that all of creation would be redeemed along with those who delight in the Messiah, the children of God. So God broke the universe. And that's what Paul is talking about today in the passage. It's not going to always be broken. So what good would come out of God breaking creation? Now, I think we already talked about it some, right? 
Um, the brokenness includes things like, well, arthritis, uh, decay, rust, um, our body failing, trees and plants and animals, all living things um, dying and going back into the earth. Even the earth's rotation and the planets, uh, apparently, according to scientists, are slowing down. I can't tell the difference myself, but yeah, stars fizzling out of the cosmos. Why? What good could come from God making the universe to be broken with entropy all around us? I think Paul continues talking about this in the next verse, and he tells us why. And it says in hope, verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So all this futility, uh, it's not meant as evil for us or even judgment. That comes later, right? But it's to show us that our freedom from corruption, from the brokenness, from all the, the things that are connected with God breaking the universe, our freedom from this bondage will come as children of God in Christ uh, when, when Christ makes all things new and when after his return, right? And creation will get to share in all things being made new along with us. Therefore, all of creation is waiting for that day, right? They're, they're groaning. It's all groaning, right? So do you see how fatality points us to Christ? He's our only hope. You know, we begin to realize, I think, that all the great promises that the world makes one after another, they fizzle out. And in the end, they just turn into misery. They never wind up giving us true satisfaction. They, they bring destruction and hardships and pain and finally death. All this brokenness all around us, even in our bodies, it should direct us towards the one who was broken for us on the cross, the one who was wounded for us. By his stripes, we are healed. Um, he did this for us. How does Isaiah say that? Um, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So not only does the physical brokenness get fixed because Jesus went to the cross and became the perfect sacrifice for our sin, but also he bore the weight of our spiritual brokenness and the penalty for that on the cross. Um, the Bible talks about how he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might know the righteousness of God in Christ. So if you know Jesus, you've already been redeemed by his blood, right? And with that, we already have all kinds of benefits as his children. We have access to all the fruits of the Spirit as we walk with Christ, things like peace and joy and uh, agape love, and many, many more, which were totally out of our reach before we came to Christ. And there's just tons of other things, even while here on this broken earth, that we have access to as his children. Still, like 
Paul said in verse 18 when he said, the glory that is to be revealed to us. So <laughs> there is more coming, right? So when he does return, it's going to be something amazing. Then we will know not just in part, but in full. And Paul continues talking about this, verse 22 and 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So childbirth means um, labor pains, right? If you've ever been in labor, you know there's no telling how long it will take. And when you're in pain, it seems like a long time has passed, right? But the labor pains mean something else. It means something new, something wonderful, something beautiful is coming. And we can at least know that the time is close. Paul says that we have the first fruits of the Spirit, um, which we talked about, but that was just the first fruits, right? There's going to be an eternity of fruits, more to come for us. So Paul is encouraging us to look ahead and not to be focused on the world. He also says that our broken bodies will be redeemed. So we long for both more blessings in the Holy Spirit and for our bodies to be changed so there will be no more corruption that comes with uh, the brokenness of the world. So the hope that we have is amazing. And Paul is going to close us out for today anyway with two more verses, verses 24 and 25. Here's what he says. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So all these things Paul's been talking about is our hope. Um, it's not the kind of hope that we talk about in the world. You know, what, uh, I hope the weather's good today, or I hope I don't get sick, or I hope I become a millionaire before I'm 40. No. God's definition of hope is a guaranteed hope. And all the brokenness points us to the one who was broken for us on the cross, the one who is our healer, um, even though it is not seen. Our hope is something that is for certain. Because Jesus, he came and lived the perfect life, right? That we do not and did not and will not do. And he died, though, the death that we do deserve. And then he defeated that death. And everything that our sin um, brought about, Jesus was paid the, the wages that we deserve for our sin. And since he defeated death, he defeated all the brokenness. And there's um, no more need for the curse once we come to Christ, at least, right? Because it was the brokenness that was to point us to Jesus, our Messiah, our only hope. And it's only through him that we can overcome. And if we hope in him, then he will raise us up when he removes the curse and we will be with him. And creation also waits for that day. Father God, thank you for your word, Lord, and uh, for us to be able to, to, to see behind the veil that was hidden from 
mankind for so, so, so long, and it's still hidden from so many, even today, Father, who, who don't persevere in pursuing your truth, Father. Thank you for showing, for giving us that a heart to know your truth, and then for showing us more and more and more and more of your glory as we keep looking to you, our only hope. Thank you for the joy that you give us through Jesus and help us to be um, sharers of that glory and that joy to all the earth, Father, to everyone that we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.